Welcome to Black And, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm Jonathan. And I'm April. And we're a brother and sister looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and pretty much what white people looking to make a difference can do. So a little bit about us. Our father was black and our mom is white. We were both born in Jackson, Mississippi, but later moved to Lancaster where we really grew up. Um, we both live in Philly now, and we hope <laughs> this podcast and the later conversations will offer a unique and a more honest perspective on race and what white people can do to dismantle the system. Yeah, so a lot of what we're seeing out there today is uh, written in article form, and it's instructional about what sort of white folks can do to, to help solve the sort of race issues that we see in America. And so we think a lot of that information misses a lot of the sort of nuance and emotion um, and even sort of the urgency of a lot of these important issues because they're communicated in writing. And so we we thought we would talk about these issues and have a conversation about them. And, and it's our hope that, um, you know, throughout those conversations, we can arm folks with the, the sort of know-how to speak on these issues and address them head on on their own. Each episode uh, after this one moving forward, we're going to be featuring uh, an interview, a conversation with a guest um, that will be an expert in in a particular field. Um, these folks will range from friends of ours to professional uh, contacts, um, and their expertise will be sort of through the lens of how race informs uh, their particular uh, substance area. So before we get into today's topic, Jonathan, I think we need to make a few things clear. Yeah, so we have uh, five fundamental truths about race, and we're calling them FTRs. Um, and so much of what we discuss in this podcast is going to involve candid language and some sort of generalizations, and um, we think these FTRs are important to emphasize up front because much of what we're saying and our opinions that we're giving here are through the lens of those sort of basic principles that we've all agreed on as part of the conversation. Um, so FTR number one is that uh, racism is defined as white people benefiting from institutionalized white supremacy and black people being harmed by it. Um, this is just how we define racism. It, uh, it's a thing that happens automatically in this country, um, and it's not always an overt act. Um, it's just a thing that is. It's not a thing that has to be done necessarily, although sometimes it is as well. So all white people benefit from white supremacy, and all black people are harmed by it. So for us, it sort of goes without saying then that all white people are racist. And because of that, black people cannot be racist. Sure, maybe prejudice or discriminatory, possibly, but not racist as we define it. Since racism involves uh, some sort of institutionalized power that black people just don't have in this country. So it goes without saying that black people then cannot be racist. Yeah, so that's a thing that we here all the time, I think. But it's sort of related to the second, which, uh, the second FTR, which is uh, that racism and racist shouldn't be considered a slur. It shouldn't be considered the worst thing you can call a white person. It's sort of a last resort nowadays, um, and it's a thing that people are afraid to say. And like we said in FTR number one, you know, racism is just a thing that exists in this country and that white people are a part of. And so to call something that someone does racist or to call a white person racist for doing something that is racist, um, even if it's not an intentionally overt mean act, um, shouldn't be a big deal. And so that's just something that... It shouldn't be a conversation ender. I think yeah, that's key. Yeah. We can it, keep talking about it even if someone calls you racist. Right. And it's just something that white people have to work through and sort of be uh, accept about themselves. And it's not a huge deal. It's a big deal in that racism is a huge deal, but it shouldn't, like you said, 
be the end of the of of the talk. Right. And so that leads us to FTR number three. It's white people's responsibility to fix racism, period. They have the power. Um, They are the ones with the ability to do so. Um, So that's just, that's a pretty simple fact. And the the moral obligation from where I'm sitting, there's not only can white people do they have the ability to fix it if they wanted to, if everyone wanted to, there's a moral obligation here because this was created intentionally in this country by white people. So it must be dismantled intentionally by white people. So on to FTR number four, uh, when engaging in conversations about race, the most important thing for white people to do is listen. Uh, white people's opinions about race and racism are inherently less informed and thus carry less weight uh, than than black people because race and racism in this country is such an experience based subject. Uh, black and brown people experience it in a way that that white folks never will be able to. And so, um, in those conversations with white and black people together talking about race, um, it's just really important that the white person remember to listen to the experience of the black person. And to the extent that there's a disagreement in opinions on race the default should go to the black or brown person because they have that experience. Right. Uh, So the last FTR, FTR number five, this one's really important. We want to recognize that all of this, all the FTRs uh, that we've said before, they all apply to Jonathan and myself as well. We are half white and we recognize that. Um, And we recognize that our whiteness influences the way we uh, live and experience in the world. Um, we benefit from our whiteness. We try to be as conscious of it as possible, um, particularly when we're discussing race and uh, yeah. these issues in general. Um, but it's really important for us to remain aware that we benefit from our whiteness and we see how it affects our lives, sometimes in a positive way. And I hope if we forget that, if we forget that this applies to us, someone will check us and tell us moving forward. True. Yes. Because <laughs> we might do. forget from time to time. So just to review, our fundamental truths about racism, or FTRs, are as follows. FTR number one. All white people are inherently racist. FTR number two. Being called racist shouldn't be considered a slur or a conversation ender. FTR number three. It's white people's responsibility to fix racism. FTR number four. When discussing race, it's white people's responsibility to listen. And finally, FTR number five. All of this applies to the two of us by virtue of our half-whiteness. So now that we got the FTRs out of the way, uh, today's conversation will be just between me and Jonathan. We don't have an interview today, uh, but we thought instead we'd talk about something that is important to both of us. Um, so today's conversation is going to be about interracial dating. We are products of an interracial marriage, um, and we both have really strong, um, and at times contrasting views, um, and experiences surrounding dating and interracial dating in particular. Um, so I think something important to note is this conversation is going to be, um, centered around cisgender heterosexual relationships and that's because that's our reality that's who we are uh yeah and then that's how we identify so that's that's uh where the conversation is going to come from um i think a lot of what we're going to say 
the dynamics change a lot as you get into same-sex relationships and as you are discussing uh, relationships that are outside of the sort of uh, cis hetero construct that we're we're Agreed. existing in right yes so, definitely but yeah good preface though um so to help you guys like understand our perspectives and where they come from uh we're gonna give you a little history about our uh dating experience uh i have none <laughs> period um i'm 26 years old never been in a serious relationship um my reasons for that have changed uh, over the years. And <laughs> I'd say they're quite complicated. Um, so I think part of that, it's important for me to mention that I'm not giving dating advice here. Um, I don't want to tell people how to date, who to date, when to date, why to date. Um, I can only tell about my experience. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, so I'm a bit, my, of course, dating experience is a little bit different than April. I'm older as well, so. Really old. Um, how old are you, 26? 26. Oh my goodness. Um, I am 33, and so I, you know, started becoming interested in girls when I was, I guess, 12 or 13 years old, and we were living in uh, conservative, Lancaster white, County. Lancaster County, PA, um, and so, uh, yeah, there were hardly any black people around in my school. I think I looked it up, our school's like 1% black at that point, um, so since I was 16, Teen, um, I've dated uh, officially boyfriend girlfriend dated uh, a number of of women, but they've all been white. Um, so I've never maintained a romantic relationship with a black woman, um, and uh, it's weird because I never think of it in terms of I only date black women or I don't, or I'm sorry, I only date white women and I don't date black women. I don't think of it that way. Um, it just sort of is how things have played out. For me, um, we can sort of get into our theories of why that is, I think. We will, um, if I know anything about your opinions on this, April. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think a good place to start with this is sort of what, to get into the question of what informs attraction. So what does it even mean to be attracted to people and, and why are we attracted to, to people? I think in this country it sort of goes without saying, and I mean, and you can speak to this more than I can, but white women are sort of the, the beauty standard that is portrayed here in this country. I think that's definitely true. I think two things, uh, specifically sexism and racism, um, are simultaneously working to shape how particularly black um, and white men... Um, View attractiveness or what, yeah. what is attractive to yeah. us. Um and I think, right, I mean, it, it, and it doesn't sort of go without saying that what is attractive in this country, and maybe even globally, is determined by men? I would is say that weird to say? Definitely. Okay. Uh, I think white, well, I think men in general have that power because of sexism. Yeah. Um, they, you, men, uh, right. define <laughs> beauty. Right, um, which is and wild. And so... Women then are the ones who respond to that standard, and the standard is whiteness. Society makes it really clear that, you know, white women's traits are something not only to aspire to, but um, something to to even change yeah. to. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, magazine covers, um, movies, beauty products, um, makeup—they're all—they um, all lean toward white women. Um, and to the extent that black women are featured in those spaces, it, it's 
often their you know physical traits are altered and airbrushed and we mm-hmm. hear about you know people's skin tones being lightened mm-hmm. and their hair straightened hair straightened and you know uh, facial features changed um, and it's all to make them in closer proximity to whiteness it's to make it less black yeah um i think from birth we experience that and you know as a black woman it's been very clear to me that um white women white features white hair names accents are more attractive um and are considered more beautiful than uh their black counterparts i think that these um tendencies or um preferences that um people have as far as attraction goes um, are learned. I think they can definitely be unlearned. Uh, but I think that takes a lot of really, really hard, deliberate work. Yeah. Um, you, but I do think it's possible. You, you can learn, uh, to not only be aware of who you're attracted to and what traits you're attracted to, but I think, um, you can also be aware of how racism has tainted that attraction. Yeah. So someone like me, it's like, you, you know, I'm well aware of the fact that whiteness and white supremacy is informing who I'm attracted to and what I sort of go after. Um, And I'm really aware of that. And it's still something that I have to catch myself thinking about. And I'm sure most of the time I don't catch myself thinking about it because it's this automatic thing. Because it's natural. The the time we were born. Yeah, it's what Um, we were born into. One of the wild things I found about this, about dating and attractiveness is... A good example of sort of how acceptable it is to to have race be a part of the dating decision is dating apps. Um, so they might not be this way anymore because I'm not on them anymore. But at one point, you could choose the race of the person that your sort of your pool that your matches would be taken from. You could That's literally wild. select right. You could select like I only want to see black women. I only want to see white women. I only want to see you know redheads. They put it in as a a thing a feature, um, mm-hmm. a, a race just as a feature, as, same as height or right. eye color. Um, and that's really interesting because it makes it okay for people to say, like the sentence, if you hear someone saying, yeah, I only date white guys or I don't date Asian men, that's a yeah. normal <laughs> sentence for us to hear out in the world. And that's not something that people, I think, view as like a racist right. thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, certainly. Or so. even think about where that comes from. If you can say, I only date white people, or I don't date Asian people, why? I think that's what's yeah. really important here, is understanding why and how racism has has uh, given you that perspective or, or, or made you feel that that's who right. you're attracted to. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know that the white beauty standard is the you know, that I'm affected by it the same as anyone else would be. And I hold sort of white women up as this standard. I don't do it overtly and consciously, but, um, and so it's hard having two beautiful black sisters who I, (laughs) who I love very much. Um, I know that, you know, and we sort of alluded to this before, you know, our father passed away early and, in our, in our childhood. And I know that my two sisters look to me for sort of male perspective and not to be their father, obviously, but to be, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, for you look at the women that I deem as beautiful and attractive and then look at, look how that compares to you in terms of race and features and all those things. And so that's something that I have to cope with as your big brother. Um, 
and am working through it. Um, I know the next question you're going to ask me. Uh, <laughs> how? Which is how am I working <laughs> through it? Um, and I don't, I, it's something that's hard to articulate. It's just one of those things that you have to keep at top of mind. Um, it, when you're, you know, when I look at my girlfriend who is white currently, whom you've met, she, you know, she's white <laughs> and she's beautiful to me. And I know that that my opinion of her and my sort of assessment of her sort of physical traits is informed by whiteness and white supremacy. Um, racism. Right. Ra- yeah. Right. Yeah. Racism. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's a weird thing to be thinking about whenever I look to my significant other whom I'm attracted to uh, and and um, to know that it it's a genuine attraction because it's real. It's for sure real, but it's it's informed by this thing that is not real, that is fabric, that was made up, right. um, but that has real consequences right. um, as racism does. And I think one of the things that one of the things that possibly we disagree on is what to do about it. Hmm. So I think, uh, as I mentioned before, I've never been in a relationship. Never. Not once. Um, it, the reasons for that have changed over the years. My experience, personal experiences, and uh, my uh, own uh, issues with racism and, and being half black and half white. Um, but I also think uh, more recently, um, I've really uh, taken a deliberate approach to see who I'm attracted to, um, to try to understand why why, I'm attracted to those people and to see how I can change that. Um, I think attraction can be changed. Um, I've personally experienced that. Like, you know, you said growing up in Lancaster, there weren't many black people to be attracted to. Um, And so... I think I learned and just through, you know, societal experiences that white men are more attracted than black men to me. At one point I thought that my standard um, of beauty for men was so uneven. It was so much easier for me to say, oh, that white guy is attractive. Matt Damon is hot. Brad Pitt is hot. Um, But now after, you know, a few years of really working on, understanding that attraction and unlearning hmm. that that whiteness um i feel like i've sort of grown to have a clearer view of what how i see beauty in men um so i, I don't know i think that's something that's really important yeah. to take the time to flood your you know news feed mm-hmm. with beautiful black bodies and to um you know, watch the movies and listen to the songs and the voices and, um, you know, watch the videos on the gram, as the kids say, of, <laughs> of, of blackness and of beauties, just flooding, uh, flooding those images in your mind. Um, it's, I, but it's, care- it's, sorry to interrupt you. No. It's, it's, you have to, as a white person, I would imagine you'd have to be careful because it can sort of look exploitative right like imagine meeting a white person and seeing their social media and everything on the on it is about black people yeah um we'd be like hmm this is interesting right right?" i think it's more a personal thing for me so my um 
my feelings or my, yeah, my views on attractive, you know, black men versus white men, it's, it comes, all comes back to me and how I see myself. Hmm. So when I can look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm a beautiful black woman. Right. And I can say that honestly. Right. I think it's much easier for me to look to men than, you know, strangers and say, wow, what a beautiful black man. Because the features I'm seeing in myself that I now love are the features that I see on him that I now love. And the features that I wanted to see being half white and living all around white people, I wanted to see myself. I wanted, you know, my, I wanted my nose to be pointier. I wanted my thighs to be slimmer. Um, I wanted my voice to be higher. I wanted to see that in the men I was attracted to as well, but it wasn't real. So I think, I think it's a really personal thing when you, when you love yourself and I'm say you're a black man and you love you think you're beautiful as a black man. I think it would, I really do. You, well, <laughs> it's no. hard for me to see black men in particular only dating white women. Right. Because to me, it stems back to themselves. Can you say, I love myself as a black person? I think I'm beautiful and I think- as a black person. And only date white people. Yeah, and I, right, so I joke about that, and it's probably, uh, uh, you know, a protective measure, right? Like, because I know what you're saying applies to me, and, um, right, so it's, that's, to answer your question of how I work on this, is, is, I think you've just nailed it, is making sure that I'm seeing myself as a beautiful person that is not beautiful for a black person or beautiful for a biracial person or beautiful for someone who's, you know, six, three and gangly, um, (laughs) you know, really thinking that I'm seeing myself as someone to be valued and and beautiful will help me see naturally see, um, black women the way that I of course see them when I think about it, but subconsciously mm-hmm. I think I'm influenced by this other this other force and I think that it'll making sure that I love and sort of find myself as an acceptable attractive person will really help with that like you said I think yeah. it works but with for men and women yeah um, definitely let me ask you this so why so we pulled the stats of from 2010 from the census um, about marriages um, and so it looks like at that point, and I don't know that these have ch- the numbers have changed that much, but um, of marriages, and this is black and wh- black versus white is the sort of cross section here. So, white wife, white husband, that constitutes ninety seven point seven percent of marriages um, involving uh, involving those groups, right? Mm-hmm. So, inv- of of white women, ninety seven point seven percent of the time are are married to a white husband to the extent that they get married. Um, for white women marrying a black husband it's 8.6 percent of the time mm-hmm. um so that's about what i would have that makes sense said, to me. right yeah, that's about that's what, what i, I that's about what i see out there so for a black wife and a black husband um it's 89.2 percent of the time that's about Again, what you would think yeah. that's high that's high yeah. i would think it might be even a little bit higher for a black wife and a white husband, it's 0.3% of the That's time. That's crazy. So less than wild. half of a percent. Yeah. Um, so this question is complicated. The answer to the question I think is complicated, but what, you know, it's why is, why is it that way? I why mean, do we see that those numbers skew that way? Honestly, I don't think it is that complicated. I think it's clear that 
obviously racism and sexism. Um, it's that power dynamic in relationships. So if you have men saying, you know, who am I going to date next? Who do I think is the most attractive? Society says to both of them, white women. Right. So that's who they're going to so choose. both of those groups both are skewing Both black toward... men and, and white men, um, as, as this data shows, are more attracted to white women. Right. And for black men, it's only 8.6% of marriages. Right. But that's a high number compared to 0.3% right. of black right. women who go after white guys. Right. Um, who, right. Go after in quotes because right. based on the power dynamics here, it is... Yeah, it's less, it seems like, obviously, the black women, that category on our, that quadrant on our uh, yeah. thing here is, it's the least amount of power, the least amount of sort of say in this, yeah. I think. And um, least viewed attractiveness. Um, and I think that's something, honestly, that has informed my reasons for not dating. Hmm. Um, it would be very hard for me to enter into relationship where we're not equal. Right. If that's with a, a white man, right. that's very clear that we're not equal. Um, but again, with a black man, we're, we're still not on, on the same level. Um, and for me, fighting that has been sort of just abstaining from dating in general. Um, but I think there are, of course, other ways to engage, and that would be being in an, in an interracial relationship. Yeah, it's weird to me that this is, and that makes sense to me. And it's also weird because we don't discuss these topics this way, but I feel like a lot of people discuss these topics centered on who white people date. Mm -hmm. So the question is always who, uh, you know, what, and it's tied to the standard of beauty. Who are those beautiful white women? Mm -hmm. Who do they end up with? Are those mm -hmm. Brad Pitt, Matt Damon types? Mm -hmm. Who are those beautiful people being married to? Mm -hmm. Um it's and when it's an interracial relationship, it's always the white person who is dating some other race, right? Um, and it's the white person choosing to be in a, outside of their norm and outside of the norm, selecting this right. minority right. person. Um, so I like that our conversation has not has not necessarily centered at this. So we're talking yeah. about who you date right. as a black so woman, who you would me, choose to date. It's not. Right, it's not who you end up with or who chooses you. Right, it's who you go after, and I think that's another big, just big part of this yeah. is that it's always centered on who white people date and yeah. who they're choosing. Yeah, um, and that's the standard. Yeah, but it's, yeah. So when I'm talking about interracial relationships, I'm thinking about myself. Right. Um. So an interracial relationship for me would be me dating a white guy. Um. As a black woman, that would be. That would be hard because at this point in my life, I don't, I don't really care what white men think of me. It's my history. <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> my experience has been that they're not attracted to me. White right. men are not. I know I've never been asked out by a white guy or no, you know, white man has ever shown interest, romantic interest in me. I've never been catcalled by a white guy, oh, you God. know, thank the Lord. Um, so you can say I'm sort of over them. Like, sorry. But they do, but so, but that's interesting though, because don't white men set the standard though for they what do. is, what is. They do. So what. Valuable and what is, right. you know, which, which sucks, right? But it's. Right. Is, and black men are affected by that. Right. So, you know, me going into relationship with a black person, it's still defined by 
his definition of beauty, which is inherently affected by racism. Yeah. All right, so since we've talked about all the ways that racism and white supremacy inform who we're even attracted to, who gets sort of chosen by whom, um, I kind of have questions about how you think interracial relationships should work, right? Because you have expressed to me uh, sort of some struggles or some sort of apprehensions that you have that are inherent to being in an interracial relationship. And so I just, yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, you know, these sacrifices that... Yeah, I mean, so I guess one of my biggest struggles is when you're in an interracial relationship with someone... As the black person, you are inherently viewed as less than your counterpart, um, your partner. That if your partner is a white person, right? Yeah, in okay. an inter- in interracial in, in relationship. Okay. Yes. Um, so that's hard for me. Um, it will be hard for me to um, be the black person in that relationship. Um, it's it's to me it's inevitable that you as the black person are constantly making sacrifices whether it's you know laughing off a racist joke or a you know stupid comment that someone says or just the fact that knowing that society views you as less than your partner um and so yes as a black person dating a white person that would be hard but as a black woman in an interracial relationship, right. not only am I unequal in my blackness, but I'm unequal in my womanhood. Um, and that is something that I've yet to overcome. Right. And and then, you know, start dating. So I just and haven't. I guess so for me, with respect to these sacrifices that you're talking about, I get, I know exactly what you mean. Like I've been, you know, a part, I've been in a, in a, a, a relationship where, someone the the significant other's friend will say something and you're like all right i'm waiting for you to correct this person because they just said something that's like like, yeah yeah. right or you you know someone's right like someone will will laugh at something that is like okay that was racist like now i'm now i'm having to educate this person Mm -hmm. on why they or their friend did something of course not intentionally because i wouldn't ever even consider dating someone that did intentionally racist stuff yeah um but you know now i'm spending the time and energy, and I guess this is the sa- one of the sacrifices you're talking about, sort of helping this person realize these things, and sort of we've and and you know we've talked about this with our mom, mm-hmm. um, and when she first met our dad, who was black, and she's white, this white woman, and they met in Mississippi, so th- you know they, and I remember my dad, t- you know, explaining this to me before he passed away, um, you know. He didn't see the, making those sacrifices as big sacrifices because he loved mom. And I and and that's how I sort of I, I don't see the severity of those sacrifices in the same way, to the same extent that you do, because with my girlfriend, I, I love her and I love spending time with her and I love, you know, racism is something that is everywhere. It, it affects every aspect of my life and interracial dating is no different than that. We're half white, you know, so if I were dating someone who was 100% black, black mom, black dad, 
there'd be weird dynamics in that, right? Having a white, a half-white partner, a light-skinned black person, which I'm sure we will down the road talk about colorism <laughs> we'll and to, yes. about um, the sort of complicated uh, issues that go along with that. But there's these dynamics exist no matter what the sort of setup is. I think the, the sort of shittiest one is the black-white relationship because of how harsh the dynamics are in America between black and white people. But to me, those things are not. Those sacrifices don't outweigh, one, me spending this time with the person that I love and getting to know them better. Because love is a thing that is very powerful. Right. Um, and I, I, maybe I'm an idealist. I think love is more powerful than racism, although it can be informed by it, right? Let yeah. me see that. Yeah. And so. I, yeah. I don't want to talk about love because I've never been in love. So, um, I <laughs> moving think, on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, I, I think the you know quote sacrifices that I mentioned are less about um, time and energy, and more about um, how it affects you personally. Yeah. As the black person in the relationship, so you know I, I, we mentioned like your your white partner you know, making a joke or not defending you when someone says something racist. Right. That, sure, the time and energy that you'll, it, it, in the conversation that you'll have, you know, in the car afterward with your white partner about how that was inappropriate, what you expect from them next time, you know, sticking up for you and, you know, you know fighting against I racism. I shouldn't have to ask out, you to fix these, to, sure, to fight yeah. these things. Right. That right. to me is the time and energy. That's annoying. Yes, that's a sacrifice. But... I think you'll have those conversations in any relationship because no relationship, regardless of whether it's interracial or not, is perfect. To me, because we're specifically talking about racism and because if we're dating white people, we are the black person in the relationship, those instances, forget the time and energy, those instances affect me as a person. Your core, yeah. What is it saying about me and my love for myself if I'm, you know, intentionally engaging in a relationship where that stuff will happen. Right. And that's really, that's sort of extreme. And that's because. And that's person to person. Like that is. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that, that's on, that's on the, the end of the spectrum. Right. But I'm That's saying, your most militant. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I'm saying it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to believe these are just, yeah, bear with me. Speak on that it. That you can fully love yourself as a black person, never having been in love or been intimate with another black person. Right. And that's only if you are actively dating white people. Right. So if you're just not dating. Right. Do or you're, you're just, right. right. That, right. you know, that doesn't. Right. So that's, that's what that's you and I. Abstaining, sort of, but. That's what you and I sort of fundamentally disagree on. I think it's the extent to which mm-hmm. we don't disagree on the substance, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think it feels like, at least from what I'm mm-hmm. gauging, it feels like we agree that this is a thing that you have to work through if you're in an interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're a black person in an interracial relationship, you are faced with this all the time. Sure. And your white counterpart probably won't notice most of it. Right. Um, and if you're a white person in an interracial relationship with a black person, you need to be on guard about these things and that needs to be at the top of mind all the time because there's stuff you're missing right. and there's stuff you're, you know, and so 
And um, your partner is and your constantly is, at get, is getting the short end of the stick and, of these instances. And at yeah. times, right, and at times suffering to an yeah. extent because of your, because of yeah. your whiteness, because of your, you know, yeah. um, and, and in comparison to your whiteness. Yeah. So, um, But I think, again, it all comes back to attraction because that's how most relationships start. Right. If you think someone is just, you know... But ugly, you're probably not going to ask them out on a date. But ugly. But ugly, I said it. Good, bring that back. So I think that it's really important, and I'm talking to black men specifically because that's, you know, in my head, if I'm dating, that's who I would date. Right. I think it's really, really important to do that work first. Right. Before you, you know, choose your partner or, or say to yourself who you're attracted to. I think if mm. that work is put in to, to unlearn those racist uh, race you know preferences yeah and, racist preferences right. and to unlearn that white women are the most attractive i think that work has to be done before you engage those relationships before you can have a healthy relationship with yeah. a healthy interracial relationship yeah well or... i think it can be healthy for sure right but i think what uh, uh, thinking macro now i mm-hmm. think as far as you know ending racism what you're putting out there in that relationship can be viewed as detrimental to black women. Yes. Yeah. Especially if that is your only history. And that's the biggest thing that I struggle with personally, because that has been my only history is dating white women. Yeah. And that's something that I am painfully aware of. Right. Um, and And like no shade, you can tell me I'm beautiful all you want. Right. But when I look, to see who you think is beautiful, right. it's been it's been, white, it's women. been white women, right? And I'll say the same thing for my father, right? Right. You know, I was he say, had a history how... of dating white women, so when I look at my mother, he... I see who did he think was most beautiful? The ultimate, yeah. Yes, my white mother, right? That's not me, right? And you know that's that's my business. You don't need to make me right. think I'm beautiful, but that definitely affects it. And as black men in general, if we're talking about you know lifting up black women in general, that's something that has to change or be really, really worked on. So I think the, the obvious sort of next question or bigger question here is are interracial relationships good or bad for race relations, right? Like, so I am of the mind that, you know, there's this trope that like biracial children and little brown babies are the the symbol of that we're going to be this post racial society, and you hear all the stats about it. in 2050. Will there'll be more? Mm-hmm. You know, white people will be the minority. So, yeah. and that's held up as this sort of uh, yeah, this sort of trophy on how yeah. we're gonna. You know, people look to us the end of all the time yeah. as the examples of the end of racism. Yeah, um, which is is crap. Um, <laughs> so, you know. I'm of the mind that the more interracial, rela- healthy interracial relationships, romantic or otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Like close friendships mm-hmm. or otherwise, you know, though that's the more of those, the better. Um, the more we are close to people that are different than us, the more white people are closer to black and brown people in physical proximity, but also emotionally and sort of spiritually and person intimately, mm-hmm. the more motivated they will be to mm-hmm. want to solve this problem. Bright people have no incentive to solve racism other than it's the right thing to do. Right. And since when has that been the, right. you know, um, 
the motivating factor in any decision that we, you right. know, social decision that, you know, doesn't have some other underpinning, you know, and so right. it seems like the more, you know, it would be hard to see a crazy racist law get passed having for a white woman to see a crazy, you know, a racist law get passed, having a black husband or having black children. Right. Um, And that's not to say that proximity, that you need them as sort of like props to Mm -hmm. be, to be close to race and racism. Mm -hmm. But those intimate intimate relationships. Yeah, but white people aren't close to race. They don't know, they don't, they're nothing. They are, in, in America's mind, white people are no race. Yeah. And that is, you know, so, so is it, so are interracial relationships good? I, I honestly don't know what you think about this. So, you know, I mean, maybe this is a cop out. Sue me. Give us your cop out. But I don't, I don't think I can say just inherently whether interracial relationships are good or bad for race relationships in general. I think healthy, I think healthy interracial relationships are good. And unhealthy inter- interracial relationships are bad. Right. I think, and there are good ones and bad. Right. There are healthy ones and unhealthy yeah. ones. I think if someone, I'll just use your example because no, we're right here. But I yeah, if you you know have gone through life as a black person, you know, showing that you love black women, think they're beautiful, date them, date white women, um, that you as you're biracial, you know, it's only natural to, if you've done the work, be attracted to both because right. you can see yourself in, in both black and white people. I think if you've done that work throughout your life, you've positively affected mm-hmm. black women and race relations in general hmm. by doing that work yourself. If every black man did that, you know, a lot of the problem could be solved for black women because we would see black men loving us and not always choosing white women. Right. That's the standard. Right. So in a perfect world, if all that work is done and then you end up with a white woman having dated, you know, all types of people, but you just, you just closely, you mostly your best relate to this particular white woman. Great. I love it. I love that relationship. I'm all for it. If that work hasn't been put in, and you are dating white women because you haven't fought that racist filter that 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 speaks on your attraction and you just end up with white women right that to me isn't net positive right because the black women that you've affected along the way by not showing them that they're beautiful by not dating them has done harm has done harm right so i don't know whether interracial relationships are net good or net bad because i don't know what's in them i don't know what has motivated them i think black uh, i think biracial babies are obviously the most beautiful things in the world (laughs) sorry about it clearly you don't have you have a you have a biased opinion on that a net good no but so we are a net good so but i do think it's important to say you're you're half joking but it is important to say just as a as a side note here that the fact that society on the whole sort of thinks that biracial babies are very very cute mm-hmm. and these sort of racially uh, ambiguous babies that you see on yeah. the covers of magazines it's are so very cute as it's they only, relate as right. they in their proximity to whiteness right exactly it's so, only because yeah. of their proximity to whiteness and their right biracial their, babies are quote cuter than you know black babies because they're half right, white right right yeah okay yeah. sorry tangent, issue. tangent. That's an issue yes <laughs> um, um, but so I hear you saying that you know 
there are that only an interracial relationship can only be good if both people the black person and the white person will use those two races are doing very personalized work structural work on themselves the yeah. type of work that I, I would consider myself currently taking part in mm-hmm. it is happening while i'm dating which is not necessarily ideal because mm-hmm. i think it makes it harder it makes mm-hmm. it harder when you're in a relationship but for those relationships for those people in relationships to really do that sort of internal work to figure out why they are attracted to the people that they automatically default to mm-hmm. and the people that they automatically look to for as attract as as you know the mm-hmm. gold standard of attractiveness mm-hmm. um and so you're saying not you know whether a, an interracial relationship is or, sorry, whether a relationship is or isn't interracial mm-hmm. isn't a metric for whether it's good or bad. Right. It can it's be... It's the relationship itself. Right. Yeah. And I... I like rules. That's why I just I don't want like you to walk rules. away with a yes. rule for no, this. But no, no rules. No. And okay. I've, and I've you know, mostly talked about the work that I think black men need to do because I'm taking it personally. That's... I would be right. dating a black man right. if I were dating. Right. And I... And theoretically. I, I am... It's probably a displacement or, a, you know, a, I don't know what it says about me, but I keep focusing on, okay, so what do white people need to do in these right, situations? Right, and I'm sort of and <laughs> not even engaging that. Right, because. I know, I know, great, good. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I mean, that just comes back to right, it's all the rules saying. we talked about it's, before. Exactly. So right. white people need to do what white people need to do to end racism. All the things. All the things. And this is one of the very particularized aspects of it is who your close interactions are and white people if you have a history of only dating black people why right think about why that come from in the same way i would ask a black man who only dates white women why right it's the same thing right yeah so that actually segues really nicely into our action item for this episode so at the end of every every episode we're going to um give up just a quick action item that uh, most of the time for white people and uh, something that they can do in their daily lives to help end this sort of institutionalized uh, racist system and, and even correct some other individualized racism that they're, that's manifesting. So um, the action item this week is to just examine your close and intimate friendships. It's more of a thought exercise than it is an actual action. Um, think about for example, who would be in your wedding party if you plan to get married or who has who was in your wedding party and the demographics of those people and the race of those people. Um, do they all look just like you or your 10 closest friends the same race as you? Um, and I think um, and I think a really important question to ask yourself if you if you do consider yourself a racial ally is with a group of friends that all look like you. Can you be the most effective ally? So moving forward, I would just encourage folks to think about the, those folks that are closest to you and think about the demographics of those folks and think about ways that you could perhaps broaden that um, and expand the group of people who you, you keep closest to your, to your heart, really. So we've talked about a lot today. That's it. We've talked about Episode our... Episode one. Yes, done. In the books. <laughs> we discussed our FTRs, uh, interracial dating. That was a doozy. We solved interracial dating. Solved it. There done. We go. Uh, so be sure to tell your friends and people in your network about our podcast. Uh, DM us on Instagram at Black and Podcast. That's all one word. 
Uh, rate, review, subscribe on the Apple Store podcast or wherever you listen. Uh, so our cover art was designed by Kate LeBrick. Uh, our theme music was written and produced by Fifth Child. Uh, you can check out more of his work at fifthchildmusic.com. Uh, that's the number five in fifthchildmusic.com. Um, and until next time, be mindful. Be vigilant. And, and keep, keep asking, asking questions. questions.